All righty. I get to, to follow that up, so that's some big shoes to fill. Uh, we did a, a children's nativity, so we're doing a children's sermon now, as you can see. They have the salt director up here. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, is this staying up here? Is that staying? Okay, cool. Um, I'm easily distracted, too. Um, so I, I get to finish off our Advent series uh, this week. So this uh, beautiful little portion here of Rain and, and Ben and Lainey May is the star, um, we get to talk about this a little bit more in depth today. And so, so Matt kicked us off with this, this portion of the, the narrative last week with, with Herod and, and the Magi. And, and at that point, you kind of see Herod conspiring, and Matt did a really great job of just hitting the heart behind um, that and Herod's insecurity. And so, um, but this week, we're going to continue on with the Magi, and, and we actually get the, I would say, the fun part of this narrative where they get to encounter uh, Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to um, hop into our text. Uh, Lord, I just um, pray that your Holy Spirit moves this morning. Pray that people do encounter you. Um, I pray that people get more of a glimpse of you, people understand you more, people fall, fall more in love with you uh, as we look at your word, as we look at you, as we, we look at what you've done for us. Um, soften our hearts to hear, soften our hearts to feel. Um, to feel our depravity and, and how much we don't deserve you, um, and all the, also the extent of your great love and sending your son Jesus and just what we're celebrating in this season. I pray that you would just move this morning. In your holy name, amen. So we're going to be in, in verses 7 through 12 of, of Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Um, and again, this is building off of, of last week. It's building off the last three weeks of Advent, um, but especially off of last week, um, Matt kind of hit this first half, but we're going to be in, in the second half here. And so um, going back to verses seven through nine here, uh, we see King Harold um, <laughs> conspiring. Uh, I love that. Um, so, so in seven, what we see here is then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time is the star what time the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem saying go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him bring me word that I too may come and worship him and then verse 9 after listening to the king they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was and so what's going on here is we see king Harold Gosh dang it, I actually said that on purpose that part. <laughs> okay, we see King Herod. Um, what, what we see here is he, he catches wind that, that these three wise men, these, these magi, that, that they have some knowledge of where the Savior is going to be. And Matt, again, hit last week that, that Herod didn't like that because um, he had some insecurities and he wanted to be powerful and, and he didn't like another savior coming in that was going to usurp him, be better than him, be more powerful than him. Than him. And so he's wanting to find this baby. So he, he secretly calls the Magi over. And there's a reason he doesn't do this publicly. It says he actually, he does it secretly so that the, the, that 
they don't know that they're being looked for. Right? He's, he's afraid that if it's public officials that it's going to be this big ordeal and then, then they might flee. And so he, he, this is why you see him kind of secretly kind of maneuver behind the scene. And then he, he says, hey, when you find them, come and tell me so that I can go worship him myself, which I think we all see uh, means that he just wants to kill him. And what you actually see here is he's, he's trying to figure out exactly the time and date and location. Uh, verse 16, which we're not going to hit today, um, when they don't come back through, Herod actually it says, And when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male, male children in Bethlehem in all that region who were two years old or under. So again, this just shows he was kind of doing this secretly. He was, he was wanting to kill the Savior so that he couldn't take his throne. And then as we go on through 9 through 12, though, we see that the wise men went forward and they saw the star and they found it. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they, they go in the house and they see the child. They see Mary, his mother, and they see the child and they fall down and they worship him. See, they weren't just excited about seeing the star and, and coming to the final destination of it. They didn't just get excited because we went on this big journey and now we're here and, and we finally found this, but they had found Jesus, what they were looking for. See, see the Magi, they, they actually, they, they had found love itself. They had encountered love. You know that, that cute little saying, like, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey? That one, have you guys heard that where it's like, yeah, it's like you get all this, but it's about to, they didn't care about the journey. They wanted the destination. This was not the cute little coffee cup thing. They were about the destination here, which is why they're, why they're joyful, why they're rejoicing. It's not because, oh, we made it to the top of the mountain. We get to tell all our friends. No, they are excited about the destination of meeting Jesus, the savior of the universe. See, the star in finding the child was not what brought the joy. It was the child itself. He was the Savior. He was God's love manifest in human flesh. Why are they excited about this? In verse 6 of this chapter, we see the reference to Micah 5, 2 through 5. And this, this gives a glimpse of why they're excited about Jesus. But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphratha, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. So what we see here is that there's a, a prophecy here from Micah that the Savior is going to be born in Bethlehem. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is why they were excited to meet Jesus. This is what all the celebration builds to. Jesus coming incarnate in human flesh. That's what incarnate means. Jesus coming in human flesh 
so that we can commune with him, so that we can have relationship with him. This was the destination for them. God's love for us is made manifest through this child. And, and I actually love like the terminology that it uses there of like they, they, they look for the child. Like it's, it's so human, right? They didn't say some divine being. They said the child. They were excited about the child. They go in and they see the child and they fall down and worship because this child in human form is the savior of the world. Jesus was born in our likeness. Hebrews 1 says, as the exact imprint of God. And this child came in human flesh and lived perfectly obediently and humbled himself to the point of death on a cross so that our flesh could take hold of him. So that we in our bodies could take hold of him. Jesus had to come as a child so that we could have relationship with God. This is why the wise men, when they walk in the house, they fall on their faces and worship. They're worshiping the Savior who's coming back to reconcile relationship, reconcile them with God. They weren't excited about just some idea of him. They weren't excited about just having some security for salvation, but but so that this flesh, this body could be indwelt with the Holy Spirit so that we can commune with God, so that we can encounter God. See, here's the thing. Because Jesus came and lived as flesh and died, we commune with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control itself. These are the attributes of God. This is what you see in Galatians 5 with the fruits of the Spirit. This is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. This is the manifestation of God himself. This is God's very nature. And we get to commune with those. We get to commune with God because he came and died for us. That's what they're celebrating. That's why they're falling down on their face in worship. See, none of those, like, I don't think any of us read those, and it's like, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want joy. I don't want peace. I don't want kindness. I don't want gentleness. And you can actually see the opposite of those and see how we walk in the opposite of those a lot of times, but how, how you walk outside, you walk with family, you walk with friends, you walk with people in your life, and you see the exact opposite of those so much. And you don't like being in the presence of that. Peace is here. Security is here. And, and the beautiful thing about this promise is it's not based on circumstances. Communing with God and experiencing the fruits of the Spirit of, of peace and all of these things, a peace that surpasses understanding, is not based on circumstances. And that's actually what you see here is the, these magi, these wise men, as a lot of Israel, they actually might have had a misunderstanding of, of the Savior of this Micah prophecy of, hey, he's going to come and he's going to rule and he's going to bring peace. Right? Be- because it wasn't, as we can see, 
2,000 years later, it wasn't a peace where Jesus is going to rise up and rule the kingdom physically and have hordes of armies and rule the land. It was he is going to set down the sword and die. But here's the, the really interesting thing about that. That gives us a far greater peace and security than we could ever have otherwise because it is not based off circumstance. It is not based off physical safety. It is based off of relationship with God and communing with him. Psalm 16, verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. This is David writing this, who was in a lot of instances where you would look at this situation. You would look at David, look what he's going, you would say, your flesh, there's no way your flesh is secure right now. You're being chased by the king and trying to be killed. You're, you're getting spears thrown at you. You're wrestling lions and bears, and you're going against Goliath. And he says, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. The question is, why does his flesh dwell secure? Not because he has physical safety here on earth, but because his soul will not be abandoned to Shaul, and he will not see corruption because he has relationship with God. And it says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence, communing with you, walking with you, is what? Fullness, fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Again, I keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. This is why they fell on their face in worship as they encountered Jesus. What's your response? Peace has come. Love has come. Are you basking in that? Are you falling on your face as you encounter Jesus? Or are you basking in some idea of Jesus? Jesus does not come in the flesh to give you something to do on a Sunday morning. Jesus does not come in the flesh to give you some feeling of self-righteousness when you serve well or make a good moral decision. Jesus does not come in the flesh to affirm all of your ideas and be a means by which you make your arguments. Jesus does not come in the flesh to give you your heart's desires of health and wealth. Jesus comes in the flesh for you. The child was born to reconcile relationship with you. That's why we fall on our face in worship. Because we recognize this child was born in human likeness and died on the cross so that he could have relationship with me. But not only so they could have relationship, but I have the, the highest security in all of the universe and my flesh dwells secure because I walk with Jesus and I walk with God. And as we encounter that, though, there's a stewardship that comes from that, right? You recognize these things, and, and you, again, I'm wrestling with those questions, and you encounter Jesus, but, but there's a stewardship that comes with that. And here's what I mean. I was processing this out on the phone with a friend, and he was saying there's this interesting aspect in here that you see from Mary's perspective of the stewardship of Jesus, Right, so 
what we see is they, they see the star and they go in there and they see Mary, his mother, and they fall down and worship. But you have to, like, if you put yourself in Mary's shoes, right? Like, she's been given the prophecy. Jesus has been born at this point, and her and Joseph are sitting there, first child, and I've seen a lot of first parents in here, and you're just like, I have to take care of this thing now. And not only is it a child, but it's the savior of the universe. And so um, really don't want to mess this one up. And they're like, she, she, but she has this, this weight to steward Jesus well, to, to physically take care of Jesus, to bathe him, to nurture him, to care for him. See, see, but amidst that, though, she, she also has these people that come and visit her, these wise men, they come, and she lets them bask in who he is, though. She, she lets people bask in the promise of who her son is, and they don't worship her, they worship him. And she has to be very okay with that. The wise men don't come and bow down to her. The wise men come and bow down to him. But she has this stewardship of keeping the Savior safe and understanding that people are going to worship my son. But I, I want to be setting him up in such a way where people can worship him and do worship him and can bask in him. And, and this isn't a complete one-for-one, one one, but I think we have this similar stewardship with Jesus. See, it's not this physically taking care of the Savior of the universe type of stewardship, but we have encountered this love, and we need to let others bask in it. See, are, are you in a place in your faith where you're walking with the Spirit, and you're embodying the exact fruits of the Spirit that Jesus did? When people see you, they should catch a glimpse of Jesus because this is the exact imprint of God's nature. And as we kill the passions of the flesh and as we walk more with the, with the Spirit, we're transformed more and more into that image. And we will not be perfectly transformed to that image this side of heaven. But as we kill the flesh, we are transformed, 2 Corinthians 3 says, by one degree or another into that image into that image that was the exact imprint of Jesus. So we're transformed by one degree or another into the image of Jesus. So from there, it shows that, that people should be catching glimpses of Jesus as we walk, as we embody these fruits. When people interact with you, they should be more pointed to the reality of who Jesus is. And I'm so encouraged by this church body because I see glimpses of Jesus all the time. How Joe Dye serves his tail off consistently. And I think that Jesus would serve like that. Seeing Brandon Moore running around with his son in here earlier in the auditorium. And just joy and just bask in the presence of his son and just giggle with him. Our, our elder team as a whole, I see Jesus in them consistently, and they work to put, they put in to shepherd and love this church and this body. So hours upon hours of unseen work and meetings behind the scenes so that this body can be shepherded. I see it in Ben Craven as he continues to serve in kids. We can, every time I walk back there, that guy's back there serving in kids. 
in the worship team as they get here early in the morning to set up and prepare. And in a number of these college students, and college students leveraging their, their summers to go overseas, 15 of our college students. And it like, doesn't make any sense like if you look at it from a logistic standpoint of their career and where they want to go, but it makes sense because that's what Jesus would do. And there's countless, countless other examples in this body where I catch glimpses of Jesus and I'm pointed to the sweet reality of who my Savior is because of you all. That's what we do as we, we embody these fruits of the Spirit to one another. We show people who Jesus is. But here's the thing, as we embody those fruits, it doesn't always, and actually a lot of the time, isn't going to be advantageous because it's sacrifice. A lot of times those fruits of the Spirit are cultivated in soils of sacrifice and soils of hardship. So how do we faithfully steward knowing it might not logistically be the best decision for me and for my family? We see it right here in the passage. Look at the provision of God. What do the wise men bring? So, so, so Mary and Joseph are stewarding Jesus. They're taking care of the Savior. They're letting people bask and encounter God's love. They themselves are encountering God's love. And they, they realize they have this way to physically take care of him. And how do they do that? See, when the wise men come, they open their treasures, and there's, there's gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and this was no doubt the, the means by which they would be able to escape to Egypt. After, the, after this, they get a dream, and, and the Lord says, hey, don't stay here. You need to go down to Egypt, and then they're going to go up to, to Nazareth after that. This is by no doubt by the means by which they would be able to keep the Savior safe and continue to faithfully steward him. Same in your life. We look to the provision of God as we, lo we look to say, to. Steward his love. Good gravy. We look to the provision of God as we, we steward his love, as we steward him. Not taking the step that maybe logistically makes the most sense, but taking the step, what is the most faithful thing I can do right now, and how can I embody Jesus to those around me? How can I show Jesus to those around me? Where do I need to kill my flesh in order to walk more near with Jesus and walk more in step with the Holy Spirit? We take those steps in faith. Trusting the provision of God, that he will provide amidst that. As God provided for Mary and Joseph, we're called to faithfully steward and to trust. Again, even when it doesn't make sense. I, I think the, the example of our students going overseas this summer is a great example. Where it, it doesn't logistically make sense for internships financially. They're actually paying a little bit and they're raising money. They're not able to make money this summer. They're going to be gone for two months. It doesn't logistically make sense, but they are trusting the provision of God amidst that. And it's so sweet to see. And it points me towards Jesus. So as we close here, I just want us to wrestle and ask the question of 
How are we looking to encounter and bask in Jesus? And, and are we excited about the idea of Jesus? Are we excited about the things that he kind of provides? Are we excited about the destination, the object of our faith, that we get to commune with God through this child that is in the manger? Are you basking in that? Are you communing with God? And as we do, are we looking to steward that faithfully to those around us? Because we can't but fall on our face. It starts with that right there, the fall on our face. It starts to walk into the room and, and they see Jesus and they fall on their face because they realize who they were in the presence of. It starts there because if you don't start there, you're not going to steward anything. You're going to be stewarding a facade of a faith that is built on what you believe of it. That's just this thing that you kind of do, but there's no real love for Jesus in that. Bask in Jesus. And as you do that, steward him to the world around you. Let me pray for us. God, I, uh, feel like, yeah, they can't have the right weight of words, can't have the right amount of words or the right type of words to really display um, the weight of this text, the weight of encountering you, but I, I just pray that it falls on hearts that um, want to know you deeper. I thank you for this text. I thank you for this child that came in human flesh so that we could have a relationship with you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this morning. Praise in your holy name. Amen.